The Bucks win their 15th straight game, and Giannis continues to build a convincing MVP case. How many games will they win this season? And Kevin Love isn't surprised that he's on the trade block. What teams make sense for a possible Love destination? I'm David Ramil with Wes Goldberg. It's Tuesday, December 10th, and this is Locked on NBA. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On NBA Podcast. We'll talk about Kevin Love's reaction to being on the trade block and preview Carmelo Anthony facing the Knicks later on. But let's start in Milwaukee, where the Bucks beat the Magic 110 to 101 to earn their 15th straight win. Giannis had 32 points, 15 rebounds, and eight assists, and the Bucks are tied with the Lakers for the best record in the NBA. David, is there anybody in the East that can touch the Bucks at this point? Well, that's a tough question to answer, but it, it feels a lot like what happened last year when they kind of took everybody by surprise and they were dominant during the regular season, but then some of their weaknesses were exposed in the postseason. So at this point, I'd say no, they can't be touched because they're clearly a, a very good team. But I still don't think of them as the ultimate team to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals. Who do you have at that point? I think it's still Philadelphia. I think they'll figure it out. And I think their ability to defend Giannis is probably still good enough to to limit what he can do. And once you limit him, then the Bucks are more pretenders than contenders, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the, the Philly's length is definitely going to bother the Bucs. But, man, Giannis is just – he's better than he was last year. He's more dominant than he was last year. I mean, they have the, – the Milwaukee Bucks do the second-best offensive rating in the league, the top defensive rating in the NBA. They have some real playoff experience now, having worked together last year under Mike Budenholzer. I don't know how much the Budenholzer effect will actually take place in the playoffs. And by that, I mean great regular season coach – Offense tends to unravel a little bit in the postseason, but he's also never had a player like Giannis. They were pretty close last year, I thought. Uh, I and and you go and you look at the East right now. I'm not as sold on Philadelphia as you are, and it's kind of funny. I think you and I entered the season. I was a lot higher on Philly than you were, I think. But uh, you know, between Philadelphia, the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid thing still just doesn't seem to be meshing. Um, Kawhi Leonard is in the Western Conference. I don't know what other team has the top-end talent like the Bucks do. And it just, I don't know, it just sort of seems like it's, it's Giannis' year because this team's even better than they were last year. Like, this team didn't win 15 straight games last year. I, I know it wasn't against the best competition, but um, I don't think there is as good competition in the East as there was last year. I, I will concede a point, and, and you bring up a good one, which is the fact that they do have that playoff experience. And this might be where we're witnessing the transformation from a, a team that's a more of a pretender to something that's more of a legitimate contender. And that might be up to the players for them to kind of recognize that there's another plateau to reach. And, and if that's the case, then that kind of minimizes or at least hides whatever Budenholzer's faults might be. And, and if that's the case, if the team is willing to accept that responsibility to become greater than just the sum of their parts, then if that's the case, then you might be right. And I, I could mm. see Milwaukee. I mean, I could totally see Milwaukee representing the East. At this point, it's they certainly have a legitimate candidacy for it. But I, I still am curious to see whether or not they're going to be exposed in the postseason. The reason I also wanted to bring up the record specifically and why I mentioned the Lakers earlier, I mean, the Bucks and the Lakers have the best records in the NBA. Is that the most compelling NBA Finals matchup to you? It is 
because I think, at least when I think of the finals and the kind of viewership that it normally attracts, I tend to think of more of the peripheral fan. And if that's the case, then you're looking at the MVP from last year, potentially the MVP from this year as well. You've got LeBron James, a well-known, recognizable name, one of the legendary greats. Anthony Davis, obviously, despite whatever turmoil he went through with New Orleans last year, still a, a pretty marquee name as far as the NBA is concerned. And with Giannis in particular, for that casual fan, this represents the next generation of NBA superstars. So when people are going to tune in to watch the NBA Finals, they want to know names that they can recognize. And Giannis is certainly a marketable name at this point. He's excellent as a player. And now he's starting to become bigger than just basketball. He's starting to have become a household name. As difficult as it might be for middle America to pronounce, I still think he's a, he's a, he's a, I still think he's a very popular player around the league, even among casual fans. And, and this gives them... Shots fired at Middle America. <laughs> I mean, you hear you hear broadcasters from Indiana and Cleveland, and they have no idea how to pronounce Yanni Antetokounmpo. So, it's I, uh, I, I, and, I'm ready. I'm ready for Bucks Lakers. I mean, you're, you're. I mean, you put you bring up a great point, but like these, these might be the two best players in the NBA. Just quite like period, Giannis and LeBron. I mean, it's very possible that's the case right now. You've got maybe the greatest player of all time in LeBron James. You've got this Giannis who is on track to become the greatest international player of all time. And, and you've got them going head to head. And then you have this whole dynamic of, you know, Giannis is potentially ready to take the crown from LeBron James, but LeBron has just completely seen this new resurgence in this season with the Lakers. And so he's not quite ready to give it up. And so if we get to see that battle in, in a seven game series, potentially at the highest stage at the NBA finals, I don't think there is a more exciting matchup than that. Like, I can't find an argument where I'm more excited to watch, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid brick shots from the three-point line or whatever versus LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I can't, like, Toronto doesn't have as much uh, of, of a firepower now that Kawhi's not there. Or even, you know, the Miami Heat, like, with Jimmy Butler, like, I don't know what, or the Boston Celtics with, led by Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. Like, that doesn't... That doesn't get my juices flowing as much as the Bucks do in Giannis. And then you go to the Western Conference. I'm always going to sign up to watch LeBron James in the finals because there is so much at stake when it comes to his legacy. More than Kawhi, more than any of these other guys. There's so much at stake when it comes to LeBron because it's not just him versus the other team, but it's him versus Michael Jordan. It's him versus the entire history of the NBA. I, I can't find a more compelling NBA Finals matchup than Bucks lakers And quite, it'll be a lot of fun, too. I mean, those two games will be a lot of fun. You've got centers who can stretch the floor and do stuff. You've got, um, you know, two, top, you know, peak players. I can't believe I'm calling LeBron a peak player, but he's playing like it right now. Um, that's, I'm, I'm rooting for that. That's what I'm rooting for at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think it's a, a sexy matchup and, and one that brings a lot of people to watch the, the game. If, if you're worried about ratings, as so many people are around the league, I feel like this is probably your best chance at drawing in a lot of those fans, particularly those casual fans that might have been on the outs. This is a good opportunity to see LeBron because he's so recognizable, because he's playing so well, and to kind of remember and establish himself, as you pointed out, as possibly the best NBA player of all time. And I, I certainly think he is, but I think it's a great matchup. I love the supporting cast for both teams. I still think the Clippers would be a fan, uh, fun matchup as well. Uh, you've got two very talented defenders, obviously, in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. 
But at the same time, just the way that LeBron is playing at this point in time and the fact that Anthony Davis is so versatile, so good. And again, like I mentioned before with Giannis, I mean, he's the next generation of superstar. It's him and, and Giannis in the East and West for, for the next foreseeable you know few years. And it could be a really enticing you know product for the NBA and for fans in general to digest. Great point. Coming up, Kevin Love says he's used to the trade talk, but could this be his last season in Cleveland? If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrap to show us your Locked On NBA podcast for the year. Take a screenshot to tag us at Locked On Live on Twitter, and we will share and retweet. We'll talk about what we can expect from Carmelo Anthony when he faces the Knicks tonight later on. Well, let's go to Cleveland, where the Cavs are open to shopping Kevin Love before the trade deadline. But Love told ESPN recently, quote, since I got here, there's been talk of me being traded, so it's nothing different, end quote. David, is this just talk, or do you anticipate that Love will actually get traded by February? I think it's just talk. I, I, I think Kevin brings up a good point in that ever since he's come there, I mean, I can remember back in 2014 and, and reading from Chris Bosch about the perspective of what it would be like for Kevin Love to have to be that third player playing alongside LeBron James and Kyrie Irving in Cleveland and the fact that he would have to change his game so much that he'd have to be the most generous as far as you know, not not pr- producing as much, being more of a complimentary role player at that point in his career if in, order, in order for the Cavaliers to succeed. And they did, obviously. And then Kevin, and Kevin in particular was rewarded with a healthy contract. But now that contract comes into play and you're looking at a player who is probably more of a complimentary player anyway. I think he's no longer a superstar if he ever even was. And now that he's a little older, he's getting paid so much money and he'll be getting paid for the next three seasons he's no longer as movable a contract as he once was. It's one thing to discuss this back in 2015 or 16 when you're thinking about whether or not the Cavaliers could actually win a finals without and with Kevin Love on the roster. And if you're looking to maybe acquire a couple star-level players to help produce alongside James and Irving, now that's not the case. Now you're looking at Love a little bit older, getting paid a whole heck of a lot of money. I don't think he's movable, to be quite honest with you. Mm. I, I kind of feel like this is the year where he gets moved. I still think he's got value. I think that there's just you, – you get a guy who's a good locker room guy, who has championship experience, who's, who could space the floor. And I think there are a couple of desperate enough teams in the league to just sort of you know say, screw it, let's just go trade for Kevin Love and see if we can get more out of him than the Cavaliers were able to get out of him. Last year, that there, there were some rumors, rumblings, that they wanted to trade him, but Kevin Love was injured for most of last year. He's healthy now for the most part. Uh, the Cavaliers are still really, really bad. There's really no need to have him, and that's why we've heard reports that they're willing to trade him. And I look at a team like the Portland Trailblazers, who we, you know we've been trying to connect the dots between Kevin Love and Portland for years now, but now Portland really has a reason to try to make something happen. I mean, that team is bad, and they, they're really like there's a lot of talent on that team, but it just seems like they, something needs to change there, and they've got some pieces that they can move for Kevin Love and they're kind of already capped out. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to balk at Kevin Love's price tag because they're going to be giving away uh, some sort of cap flexibility because they don't have any cap flexibility. So they're kind of the team that should be desperate enough. It's in a cap situation. And if you're, you know, if you're Neil Olshay and you kind of maybe looking like, Hey, I kind of might have to do something to save my job. Maybe he is willing to pull the trigger on a Kevin Love deal. You look at the Phoenix Suns, who are sort of in the playoff race right now. Would they be willing to bunch some of these younger players together and make a move for Kevin Love? I think they could actually put a pretty good package that could be pretty enticing for a young Cleveland team. Um, There's all these teams right now. It kind of feels like it's ready to happen. And a bunch of all-star players just got moved. 
And like Kevin Love is arguably an all-star player, right? Like if you're, there's just not that many players around right now who are available and that might just drive his market up. I, I kind of feel like he is going to get traded by February. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't see it personally. I like the fit in Portland. Obviously, I think a lot of people do. I think Love in particular does. Uh, it's an opportunity for him to go back home to play along superstar level talent there. What was it? What would it be that the Trailblazers would have to give up in order to acquire Love? Obviously, matching salary, but probably yeah. a first round, future first round pick as well. Um, and, and you know, you I do don't. It? Could you do it for like Whiteside, Simons, and a first, and maybe like not not your little or something like that? Like, you could probably like Whiteside. You just do it if you're the Cavaliers because you get that expiring contract and you get off of the Kevin Love money. But then you're if you can get a couple of prospects back, I, that might be a good enough, compelling enough offer to to make it happen. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I've seen some talk that Simons is off the table from the play, Blazers' perspective, but right. I, I still think that you make the move just so you can get Kevin Love, so you can get somebody who fits well against you know alongside Lillard and McCollum. I mean, he would be such a great complementary player there, and he's a recognizable name. If you if you have waning interest from the Trailblazers fan base, you get a guy like Kevin Love, like you said, a good locker room presence, somebody who really media savvy and friendly, and he can really bond with that fan base. I think it would be a nice move for them and if they're winning enough now and that's the thing though I mean incorporating him into the and the basketball aspect of things won't be too difficult I think he's he's understood that role and for for quite some time now so he'd probably fit there as far as the iron cart product is concerned but would you be willing to make that move right away now knowing that you might not necessarily get to the finals this year or might not even make the playoffs at this point in time they're out of the playoff picture I yeah. know they're kind of close but I'm not sure if he pushes that ceiling considerably that's a tough thing. I mean, are you desperate enough to move off of Simons and, or, and do all that? Like, that's the question. And the other thing with poor, or the, the other thing with Kevin Love is that he's got three more years, I believe, on that contract. And so yeah. that's right. Like for, for teams like, that are, are targeting that summer of 2021, when Giannis is available and all these other guys are available, they're not going to trade for Kevin Love more likely than not, unless they, they just panic and want to make a move and, and try to add a player within the next couple of years. Like, if you're a team that should be in the thick of it in 2021, you're already eliminated from the Kevin Love sweepstakes. So that's the other thing. Like, you're eliminating quite a bit of teams at that point. Um, because a lot of teams are going to have cap space or can have cap space by that summer. And so you look, you've got to be a team that's probably not a free agent destination. And that's why I kind of go back to Phoenix. That's why I go back to Portland. Teams like that that haven't historically been free agent destinations and might just say, you know what? Let's just see what this guy has because this is the best we're going to do. Uh, coming up. Carmelo Anthony faces his former team, the Knicks, tonight in Portland. Former Western Conference Player of the Week and current Trailblazer, Carmelo Anthony will face the Knicks tonight in Portland. Melo played seven seasons for the Knicks before a tumultuous ending sent him to Oklahoma City. A couple teams later, Melo is in Portland. He's actually been playing pretty well for the Blazers. But do you expect a revenge game tonight, David? I got to say, I'm sensing a little bit of sarcasm when you throw in the former Western Conference Player of the Week. <laughs> Only you could spin that as a little bit of a dig at, at, at Carmelo. I they mean, just gave it to him. They just I know. gave it to him. He was having like 18 points a game. A little dubious, perhaps, but, you know, either way, it's a feel-good story, I think, around the league. And, and for Portland, yeah. who hasn't had much to be uh, happy about, uh, he has played fairly well. A little inconsistent after that nomination, but at the same time, mm -hmm. he's still putting up points. But as far as a revenge game is concerned, can, can he have a revenge game against a team like New York? It's not like... 
I mean, first of all, the Knicks are terrible. So anybody has, has an opportunity to have a, a quote unquote revenge game against them. He could just be have a productive night and it would be classified as a revenge game. But there's nothing for him to revenge. I mean, he, he ended his time in New York fairly well. They traded him because they were kind of done with him and they wanted to move on. And they haven't done anything with since they moved on from Carmelo anyway. So it's not like you could put the blame on Carmelo for anything that happened there. I mean, and he's now with his third team since he left the Knicks. At this point, I can't imagine that that they have any kind of ill feelings towards Carmelo Anthony. I think the Knicks fan base is so beaten at this point that they'll look for any opportunity to cheer for anything. And I think once he comes back there, the Madison Square Garden fans will, will really cheer for a hometown hero. You know, he's a, he's a big name. He's a player that played well, fairly well during his Knicks tenure. I imagine that he'd be welcome back. It's not like Paul George coming to Indiana, which is patently ridiculous. I have to throw that in there. We didn't talk about that Clippers game. But man, for Paul George, George to be booed two and a half years later after he was traded from the Pacers is still is absolutely ridiculous. I can't see Carmelo Anthony getting that kind of treatment in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I mean, so we're talking about the future game in Madison Square Garden. I mean, this this game is going to be in Portland, but it's I, I do think that there will be still some Carmelo Anthony fans in the in the building that probably rooted for him when he was with the Knicks still. And fans have been pretty uh, warm to Carmelo Anthony, I think, so far. They've been rooting for him quite a bit. But aren't we kind of like, I agree with everything you're saying. Like you can't really like, what's the revenge? The Knicks suck. It's not like they suddenly got better when they left, when you left, but there's been sort of like this, this kind of chip on his shoulder, Carmelo Anthony stuff. I mean, these reports that, you know, he told Chris Paul, let's like be careful or something when he, when, you know, he was released from Houston or something and asked Chris, he like point blank asked Chris Paul if he had anything to do with his release. And Chris Paul was like, no. And he was like, be careful. Like, there's, like, this kind of chip on his shoulder Carmelo Anthony thing happening, and I'm like, I'm in. I'm all the way in on it. And so I do think he's going to just, like, look at the Knicks and just be like, another reason for me to be motivated. And I, it, it could kind of go one or two ways, right? He can either play – he can either try really hard and end up going, like, four for 23 from the field for, like, eight points or something lousy like that. Or he could just come out and just completely go guns blazing and just blow him out, which – Maybe even more likely because the Knicks suck this year and they kind of get blown out every game. That's kind of their deal. Well, but, he's going to go guns blazing regardless. It's whether he's shooting right. blanks or actual rounds or not. <laughs> so uh, this might be like we are we have all conceded the fact that this is not sustainable. Like 16 points per game uh, for, for Carmelo Anthony is not sustainable for the rest of the year. I don't think anybody expects that to be the case going forward so this could be like his last hurrah maybe this season i'm root, i'm ready to root for it yeah i mean with nba players so often they're looking for perceived slights and if they if he has to manufacture one by saying well this is my former team i'd like to show them that maybe they should not have traded me that maybe they should have uh kept me on there so that i can be you know continue to be a superstar player in the big apple etc maybe maybe that, that gets him motivated enough i mean he's certainly looking for some kind of motivation for all the other teams that passed up on him but i, I just don't know i i can't see him actually being competent enough, efficient enough to make a significant impact. He could have a good 18-point game, and then that's the case. That's, Is that your that's prediction? Yeah, I can prediction. see that. 18 yeah. points. What's the line, though, on, how, on what for what for shooting? Let's go. Six of 19. All right. I like it. That works. I'm going to go 22 points on 10 of 19. 
shooting some free throws. All right. Remember, listen to and subscribe to Lock on NBA on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. For David Ramil, I'm Wes Goldberg, and this has been Locked on NBA.